Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good morning. I don't know if Father Kevin said that you'd have a guest preacher this. Did you say at the beginning of Mass? Oh, okay. Surprise, surprise. Okay. So, friends, my name is Father Patrick Schultz. I am uh, I'm so honored and delighted to be with St. Charles this weekend. I, uh, I've been at all the Masses so far this weekend preaching, and I have the honor of uh, preaching your parish mission beginning tonight. It's, uh, it's a heck of an honor when brother priests in your own diocese invite you back to, your, to their parish to, to preach to their people. So, Father Kevin, Father Carlin... Father Korak, I'm just very grateful and honored, and I hope I don't screw it up. Okay, so, um, yeah, it's a delight to be with you. So, as I said, my name is Father Patrick Schultz. I'm a son of St. Mary Parish in Hudson, uh, where for my four years of high school, a son of this parish, Father Damien Ferenc, was assigned. So I had the great uh, privilege of having Father Damien as my parochial vicar for my four years of high school. Hugely influential on me. After the, the mass last night, Father Carlin was teasing me about how he's like, you've got all of Damien's mannerisms. I'm like, what are you talking? He's like, you're pushing up your sleeves, all that stuff. I'm like, oh man, it just gets in there. Anyway, right now I'm assigned at Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish in Wadsworth uh, with Father Joe Labach as the pastor. And it occurred to me last night when I was sitting up here that that both of those, Damien and uh, Father Joe, they're both up there as they're the models for St. Cyril and Methodius. I'm like, I can't escape my pastor's, you know, watchful eye. So he has much less hair now, okay, I will tell you, than he does up there. False advertising. So here's what I want to do for this homily here. I want to tell you a little bit about who I am, because uh, it's like, who is this guy who's talking to us, right? I want to tell you a little bit about me, and I want to break open the readings a little bit to give you a little appetizer, uh, and hopefully entice you to come to... Uh, the mission tonight, especially tonight, and hopefully the next three nights, because if you don't, I don't know, it might be extra years in purgatory. I, I don't make the rules, okay? So I'm just trying to help you out, all right? So, all right, let's start with this. I think I, there's some people who, who think, I don't know, that, that the guys who end up being priests, that they always wanted to be priests. I don't, did you always want to be a priest? Yeah, no, no? Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Same here. Like, there's guys who, like, we know priests who, when they were little boys, they were playing mass in their family room. You know, they got the vanilla wafer and the little juice box, and they're celebrating mass. There's a, there's a family at my parish. I was over at their house not too long ago, and there's a big controversy because the older brother keeps excommunicating his younger brother. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, but, you know, I'm like, this is above my pay grade, Jimmy. So, anyway... That was not my upbringing. I had, I had no ecclesiastical, you know, aspirations in my heart as a six-year-old. My career goals as a little boy were mostly involving Power Rangers, okay? So my plan was, I would, like, my parents watched cops on TV. I watched Power Rangers. And, like, as a six-year-old, you can't make the distinction between reality and fantasy. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that guy's going to get older. Someone's going to have to replace the Red Ranger one day. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be, the, I'll be that guy. So I had no desire as a little boy to be a priest. We, my family, we weren't very religious like, at all growing up. We were your classic CEO Catholics. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the Christmas and Easter only Catholics. That's who we were, your priesters. We were the family who sat in your pew, okay, for Christmas. 
That's who we were. You know when you come and you're like, these people are never here, right? They're in our pew. That was my family. Okay. So uh, very infrequent was our mass attendance. So I have very few memories of mass as a boy. But one memory that I have that stands out, I was, it was just shortly after my first communion. My dad, you know, he would get in these fits where he's like, we're going to go to church. No idea why, but we were doing it. So uh, I, I was probably eight or nine years old. We were sitting in the back pew of St. Mary's in Hudson. And, um, you know, we get to that solemn moment of the mass, the elevation of the host right, and the chalice. And Father Costello, God rest his soul, he, he's elevating the host in the chalice, he's like 180 years old, he's from Italy, you know, very thick accent, right? Behold the Lamb of God, right? That whole thing, very powerful. And to this day, I don't know what demon, you know, possessed my eight-year-old body, but from the back of the church, you know, behold the Lamb of God, and I just go, bah, as loud as I could. <laughs> and my dad, you know, shocked, he just whoosh, smacks me to the ground, I'm on the floor, immediately crying. He picks me up by my overalls, uh, hauls me out of church, and look, I, and I'm a priest now, okay? So <laughs> for those of you who have little ones, you're probably doing way better than my parents were, right? You're fine, right? Okay, so obviously something happened between then and now. You know, I, I'm obviously a priest, right? So what happened? What happened was... Uh, a girl, okay? The Lord knows what bait to put on the hook. I'll just put it that way. We'll call her name Kristen, because that was her name, okay? So, so Kristen, I had a huge crush on Chris, Kristen. We sat next to each other in physics at Hudson High School, and out of the blue one day, she started asking me questions about God. I'm like, uh, I don't know anything about God, but, you know, I'm enamored that she's talking to me. But so I, I, I wasn't stupid. I just took, I just said, like, well, what do you think? And then she said some stuff. Then I took her words and, you know, repackaged them and sent them back in her direction. She's nodding like, yeah, I know. I'm like, you feeling this, right? Anyway, so then she invites me to the first planning meeting of the fall retreat for the Life Team Fall Retreat. And um, it was amazing. I'm like, I, I found my future wife and I found religion, you know, all in the same day. This is a banner day. So she picks me up at 630. We go to the church and uh, Father Damien, after the information is presented, Father Damien processes in with the Blessed Sacrament, puts Jesus on the altar. And mind you, I have no idea what any of this is or what it means. And all I know is to say this, like to make sense of my life, <laughs> to make sense of where I am today, what happened to me is that that night is the night that I met the Lord. Like, I had zero categories or zero preconceived notions about faith or the Eucharist, but somehow this moment was the moment that God had reserved for when he was going to crash into my world. That's what happened. I met a person. I was 16 years old, and this person was real and merciful and interested in me, and... Like this person, despite everything, not only loved me, but liked me and wanted a relationship with me. Like I was just overwhelmed by this. This love was, it was wholly unlike anything I had ever experienced previously. And it just changed everything. It changed everything. Like that's what happens when you meet him. Like because that's who he is. He is beauty. He is beauty. And that's who we are preparing to meet or to enter into a deeper relationship with this Lent. Like, that's who 
I'll put it this way. That's who Peter, James, and John glimpsed on the mountaintop that we have this weekend for the transfiguration. Like, they fall to their faces, overwhelmed by the divine, radiant glory and beauty that's shining forth from his face. And mind you, this is a face that they know, that they've grown familiar with and accustomed to over the past few years of traveling with him and talking to him and late night conversations and journeying from this place to that place. And like, they know how like the corners of his eyes pull back and wrinkle when he's smiling. They know this face. And now all of a sudden this face is luminescent and radiating divine beauty and glory. And they are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. You know, I think it's fascinating that in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, Jesus constantly is referring to this enigmatic thing that he calls his hour. He keeps referring to this thing called his hour. He says things like, my hour has not yet come, or he'll say like, the hour is coming when. What is this hour? It's, it's the hour of his glory. It's the hour in which he intends to, it's the moment in which he's intending to manifest the beauty, the fullness of the Godhead. He's, it's, he's revealing who God is. And you would think, you might think that the gospel that we have this weekend, the transfiguration, it certainly seems like this fits the bill. Is this not the hour of glory? It certainly seems like you're revealing your majesty on top of the mountain, Lord. In point of fact, the answer is no. This is not the hour of glory, which is so strange. Because the hour that he's talking about is not here on this mountaintop, but it's actually in the pit of despair. The hour of his glory is not this hour when his face is radiant and luminescent with beauty and majesty. It's when his face is bruised and beaten and spit upon and bleeding and covered in dust and sweat and, and the scorn of men. After he's been mocked and beaten and scourged and crowned and crucified and crying out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, paradoxically, is the hour of his glory. Like, it's astounding, and it's so paradoxical that the most beautiful thing is simultaneously the most grotesque. Like, the hour, the hour of his glory is also the hour of greatest horror. Like, if Good Friday, if Good Friday were just a murder then it would be horror only. But it's not just a murder. It's, it's the expression of an incomprehensible love. Think of that word expression, the, the pressing out. But that's, what, that's what's happening. Like the very love of God is bursting forth from all of these wounds, pressing out, pouring into the world. Like St. Paul, in that second reading we have to Romans, St. Paul asks this question rhetorically. It's brilliant. He's, he asks this. He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all, how will he not also give us everything along with him? My friends, did you hear that? Like, give us everything like the father does something that he couldn't even bring himself to ask Abraham to do. That first reading we have, Abraham, take your son Isaac, your only begotten, 
to the mountain I will point out to you, and there offer him to me as a holocaust. And so Abraham takes his son Isaac, who at this point in the story is 33 years old. Does that sound familiar, Catholics? Yes. Okay, good. He takes Isaac. Isaac carries the wood of the sacrifice on his own back up the mountain, and he asks his father, here's the knife, here's the wood for the sacrifice, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says, stop asking stupid questions. Just kidding. That's not what he says. Okay. No, he says God will provide himself the lamb for the sacrifice. He will provide himself the lamb for the sacrifice. And indeed he does. As the the knife is coming down, the angel stops him. And there in the thorn bush is a ram with its horns caught in the thicket. A male lamb with its head surrounded by thorns. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Friends, this story, like I remember shortly after my reversion in high school, this story, I remember being overwhelmed by it. Being overwhelmed by the beauty and the complexity and the the way that all of it holds together. Friends, this is my hope for us, for this parish mission, if I can put it quite simply this way, that we too, that we would be overwhelmed by this beauty. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this up front. There's not going to be a lot of practical takeaways. It's, there's there's going to be no like action item now, like do these three things and you'll be praying like a saint in no time. I, I don't have practical action item takeaways for you. What I have is an invitation for us to experience, in some ways, what Peter, James, and John experience on the top of this mountain which is to be overwhelmed by it. Like, as Catholics, we so often, we, one of the worst things that happens to us is that we become overly familiar with that which is utterly majestic. We become overly familiar with that which is utterly majestic. Like, how often we come in here week after week, day after day, we look upon this beautiful crucifix in the front of the church, and we don't see it anymore. Like, I want to give us new lenses to see this faith, to be overwhelmed by the beauty of it. So night one, what we're going to be looking at is the beauty of our hearts and our desires. Like, in other words, the, the very thing in us, the very place in us that Jesus himself is most interested in. Our hearts, your heart, and your desires. That's night one, awakening us to that. And night two, we'll be looking at, it'll be looking at the beauty of the story Like hearing the whole story in a fresh way from the vantage point of God's deepest desires for humanity. Like what is this whole story actually about? What is the whole story actually about? Then night three, we're going to look at this. That if if what we've said in night one and two is true, then then we have to relook at the beauty of prayer. That prayer has to be more than just sitting in front of the divine vending machine begging for favors from God. Friends, I've put together beautiful images and beautiful slides and beautiful quotes. There's going to be movie clips and music. I've got movie clips from uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial, and Lord of the Rings, right? And other movie clips in there, which I'm blanking on right now. But they're in there. They're in there. I mean, how many parish missions have E.T., the extraterrestrial? Come on now, right? It's an invitation, I hope, friends, to be overwhelmed by his beauty, to have our hearts alert and alive and open and ready for when we come to Holy Week and we can enter into that hour of glory with him.
to be overwhelmed by Him fresh, in a brand new way. That's the invitation. So tonight, friends, beginning at 6.30 after Mass, and then Monday and Tuesday at 7.30 right here in the church. Hope to see you there. God bless.